Welcome on in to the Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Matt Lowell, the Managing Editor of Golf Course Industry Magazine, and you are listening to Episode 34 of Off the Course. It's the podcast where golf course superintendents and other turf pros talk about literally anything other than their job. My guest today is Drew Miller, who has a very hard time talking about anything other than his job. He runs what is probably, almost definitely, the top high school turf grass program in the country. It's at Brentsville District High School in Virginia. We first profiled Drew and his students in 2019, and since then the program has gotten bigger and better. There have been more and more opportunities for students from tending to and painting high school fields to volunteering at big events like the Little League Softball World Series and the ACC Championship Game, to attending industry events like the GCSAA Conference and Trade Show and the Sports Field Management Association Conference and Expo, to, and this is important, this is what it's all about, heading off to college to study turf and eventually landing some full-time jobs. More than 200 students are currently a part of the program. It's just incredible. Drew and I sat down at the Carolinas GCSA conference and show to talk about his story, the program, what might be next, and more. Great conversation with a real industry leader. Before you hear from Drew, a quick word from the sponsor of Off the Course, and that is AquaAid Solutions. Excalibur is the most famous fictional sword. It's immortalized in Arthurian stories, and of course it is sheathed in stone. Excalibur is also the new next-generation rapid-response soil surfactant from our friends at AquaAid Solutions. Excalibur delivers rapid infiltration and consistent drydown, and it helps your turf achieve both consistent hydration and superior rehydration. That's a really big key here. All you need is four ounces for every thousand square feet for your initial application. That's early in the growing season. And then either an ounce and a half to two ounces every 12 to 14 days, or if you apply less frequently, three to four ounces every 28 to 30 days. You also need at least an eighth of an inch of water to deliver Excalibur to the soil profile, whether through irrigation or maybe you'll have a really, really wet spring. I don't know. For best results, you can use Excalibur over a full season program, and it is time to start planning for 2023. For more information about Excalibur, you can check out AquaAid Solutions at their website. That's www.aquaaidsolutions, A-Q-U-A-A-I-D-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S. You can also find them on Twitter at Solutions4Turf. That is Solutions, the number four, turf. Drew Miller, after the break. Beach, South Carolina, where it was rainy today for the Carolina's GCSA Conference and Trade Show. You are not here for that. You are here for the Southeast Regional Sports Turf Conference and Trade Show. I feel like these two should be, these these two should get together. There could be a pretty big presence if they were together, that's for sure. It's yeah. like it's like Ghostbusters. They're both the biggest uh, chapter shows there are yeah. in the country. So. It's like you've seen Ghostbusters mm-hmm. at, at the end, yeah. where... where uh, they try to get the gatekeeper and the keymaster. Mm-hmm. We should get these two together. Why? Let me know how it's done, and <laughs> we can make it happen. <laughs> you, I don't know that there's anybody who's a More bigger in a situation. champion for this 
this industry, uh, a bigger champion for getting kids in this industry. Uh, maybe this is maybe this is your next thing. Unite unite the two. Maybe. I mean, I've always wanted to take that opportunity to bring GCSAA and SFMA together. Uh, I mean, both are struggling with when it comes to labor, and it's not. I think the biggest issue that we have is people keep saying labor like it's just a, like somebody working for them. It's skilled labor is mm-hmm. what the issue is. It's those that know what they're doing, so that we can fix the issue of overworking people because you can trust the next person to do your job no problem so it's i think once those two come together it's going to be a lot easier to figure it out obviously gcsa has a much bigger presence when it comes to just overarching everything there are more golf courses obviously there's going to be more positions for that but SFMA has a very good presence in the industry and very revered with what they've done and what they've built uh, in such a short period of time compared to the GCSAA. So bringing them together would be one of my goals in my career. There's just a little too many right now, I think. Um, <laughs> it's a little chaotic. But, I mean, there are people at each place that are aware of trying to come together. It's just figuring out how to make it happen. And you're young. You're 27. Oh, God. You haven't even outlived, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of all the musicians who died at 27, like uh, Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin. You haven't even outlived them yet. I... You're young. <laughs> you, got, you, got, you got time. Tell, tell my body that I should be feeling 27. <laughs> <laughs> Drove seven hours down here, I'm dying. But, uh, no, I mean, it, it is very early on, and we do have a lot of, I think we have some great, young industry professionals that can make it happen who are crossing over in their own personal sort of relationships and everything that's going on i mean a lot of a lot of the talk in sfma groups are the the old guard and what used to be and like that was the way and you had to do it that way and i believe it's the same thing with the gcsa a lot of that older guard is starting to retire and a lot of the younger people are open to so many different things and being aware of the fact that hey what if we did this together what if this happened and i i think the biggest thing like that will bring them both together is the programs the high school programs so if we have dedicated professionals from both sides giving input ensuring that we have a great curriculum set up that can be purchased for whatever or given away even if we're really hurting so much for work to school systems you know having superintendents and sports field managers putting their two cents in i mean i know plenty of golf course superintendents that have never touched clay before when Mm -hmm. it comes to packing a mountain and guys with sports turf have never really managed a green you know like there are so many different factors that i try to incorporate into my classes i need to make sure they're aware of this going into the job you know you don't want to have kids going in not understanding like this is a no-no this is what you need you have to ensure the safety of the grass when you're working like those are things that we have to do better as an industry in providing to those that are going to be teaching because not many of our teachers are going to be professionals like me who were in the field before I went into it so and for the folks listening who may not be familiar with your background you were profiled in the magazine along with the rest of the program three years ago it's getting old I don't like that three years I don't ago like that November 2019 oh yeah yeah and I don't want to say that golf course industry put you on the map because you were already on the map but I think it was the first major story um, so the story's been out there for a few years you've mm-hmm. run with 
everything, obviously, since then. You've built it up. But for the few folks listening who are not familiar with your background, before you went to Brentsville District, you worked for I worked three different for teams. I Mets, the Pirates, and the Steelers. Uh, Matt Brown worked seasonal for him at in New York where he was the assistant, and he brought me over to Pittsburgh where I worked both the Pirates and the Steelers. There were, like, hour restrictions on one, and the other would fill in, and <laughs> I'd be looking at a pretty long week. But uh, it was worth it. A lot, a lot learned in that position, and that I worked, I mean, Virginia Tech when I was in school, I mean, I, I was practically the head guy of baseball and softball at any given time. We, As a student. We would hire someone, the other field would leave, we'd be without a field manager, so I'd be managing softball during the softball season. The next year, the baseball guy left, I had to manage baseball, so all the games, all the other things that go into it, obviously, the staff did a lot of work with the fields, and but, like, event management was a lot what I did there, so, I mean, it was a great learning experience, and it, it truly made me the teacher I am today, because even in college programs, and my professors, you know I love you, but don't come after me when I say this, a lot of college programs are focusing on the science and the specifics of teaching in a classroom and the specifics of how it can benefit, how you know this, this, and this, and that is all critical. And don't get me wrong, I, I definitely use a lot of it. But one of the other things that I knew that I learned more in my jobs is the hands-on aspect. So like having like the ability to grind reels and understand how to backlap the reels and that's just like maintenance of a little one object compared to like I never learned that in class no one ever taught me that uh irrigation our irrigation courses were not the best in in tech Uh, we didn't have a specific irrigation course Brad Jaworski is doing a phenomenal job at Penn State at sort of shifting those things in his irrigation tech class there's just so many things that he teaches them with the irrigation heads in front of them, with the boxes, the valve boxes, everything that goes into it, how to program it. Something that I remember, we were in the uh, student challenge in college, and one of the kids like, ah, I did this at my internship, I got it. So like, he was the only one at the irrigation box, and he set the whole program up. <laughs> I was like, I know how to do it, but you do you. You know, like we're gonna go for it. I was able to develop a curriculum based on what I knew kids would love while at the same time educating them on why they're doing it. So the way we're set up in Virginia, we're able to do where we go right into football right away. We're managing our playing surface on all aspects, all fronts. They don't actually know pretty much like all the science behind it because it's their first few weeks. So they're like, what the shit are we doing? But sort of throwing them in the fire and having them learn firsthand, like this is what to do, this is what not to do. Like we're going to get better. and. Over the, that time frame, the last two games of the year, we actually divide into two different sections. So like logos and numbers and then hashes and lines. And they're evaluated on all aspects from mixing paint to uh, pulling a string to properly painting a line straight. Uh, did they work together? Obviously professionalism, teamwork, problem solving, all these things that go wrong during a day for any sports field manager I grade them on. Then coming in, so here in the next two weeks, When we go inside, I'll start going over all the different things that we were doing outside and why we were doing them. So give them the background on turf grass, the physiology, the cultural practices, the reasons behind it, and understand like what you're doing has an impact. 
um, and we try to do every year we try to grow in at like some point on our campus whether it's landscape or anything like that and show the differences over time like sort of that growth of what they're doing and how it ends up being something incredible and that's really what we aim to do and I've been able to help other schools get set up for it and hopefully we're still going to get some more and just keep growing. I think going back to like them being together with GCSA and uh, SFMA, it's just, it would make it easier. I'm so used to talking with you about the kids and the program and saw a lot of the kids when you brought them to uh, SFMA this year in Charleston and you brought uh, some to, uh, or did you bring any to GCSAA? I had alumni. So That's they what were in college programs. So you yeah. brought kids. Yes. That's right. It was it was all the college kids. Yeah. You, you yeah. brought out to GCATS, not GCSAA, but GIS, GCATS uh, in San Diego. But if we go back 10 or 12 years, oh God. with you being, you know, I feel like you're going to be the great uniter. You're, you're going to be one of the people. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> now I know how to make you laugh. Uh, I feel like you're going to be maybe one of the great uniters. Bringing, I mean, bringing together two parts of the industry. I mean, that would be incredible. But what is what is your own history with golf courses? Did you golf ever courses? did you ever have any interest, or were you mm. always sports fields? So I was a failed college athlete, baseball player who I wanted didn't know to that. stay in the sport. Yeah, I played a year, uh, not even a full year, half of a year at Chenandoah University baseball. No kidding. Yep, and uh, got out of there real fast. Wasn't for me. A lot of things that weren't okay with me. What was your position, by the way? What I was, was a catcher. Part? Okay. The great Hambino. Well, you guys know what I look like. But <laughs> your your knees are gonna save you. Thank you. Yeah. In a few years. Yeah, they will. I I was a lot lighter in high school, but uh, I was a good player. Um, definitely. I mean, it was Division three easily. I was almost I almost went to Duke University. No so. kidding. Yeah, life would have been way different and no great uniter. <laughs> no, among... you'd be doing something else. You'd be yeah. off trying to be Duke's 15th alumni billionaire. <laughs> Maybe. You know, it was, I really, for golf, it was never an option in my eyes. Okay, And not, not in like a bad way or anything. Like, I just loved baseball okay. and I wanted to be in baseball. And it was always my option, you know. One of my first golf experiences was actually with uh, Matt Wharton. We took a trip, no and he gave us a, a tour of his facility, and I was like, wow, it's beautiful and everything that he does, and there's 18 fields out here, and there's no damn way I'm coming out. <laughs> one of the first golf courses that you went out on was Carolina. It Carol- wasn't was the Carol- first time one going of, out. One of. First time in, like, a turf sense, yes. Was Carolina Golf Carolina Club. Golf Club. That's yeah. setting a pretty high bar. Yeah. Matthew Wharton, America's he, greenkeeper. He, he, again, he was just the nicest guy, and just everything he did was, like, great he was awesome to us uh it was our class we went down for a field trip with tech but yeah golf was never really uh something that excited me you know you know how like always you were looking for what's gonna wake you up in the morning mm-hmm. and whatnot it was always baseball want to mm-hmm. be a pro baseball player as a kid uh yeah i was pretty good i wasn't good enough to make it but it was funny when i first made it to new york i was standing on the mound packing the mound after a game and I was like I turned around I was like damn I guess in my own way I made it to the pros you know because mm-hmm. I thought that's where I was going when I was staying and not just the pros but the majors yeah I was because the city, minors it are was pros. city field yes yeah. yes At, the pros meaning like yeah. a major league baseball player but uh no I mean it was never 
big draw, and God bless every golf course superintendent listening to this because you guys are incredible, and what you do is phenomenal, and you guys do not get enough credit. When you talk about the different climates in your one hole that you have to deal with when it comes to your greens and your fairways and your roughs and then your tee boxes and dealing with shade, not understanding any of that, and then you deal with the other thing that was really a big turnoff when I... I think there was one time I was like, okay, maybe I'll spend a summer on a course with the membership and their demands and everything that they know better than you. And I, I couldn't handle that. I would curse them out in like two seconds. <laughs> now, in in sports fields, yes. the membership, unless you're at it's the, the parks and rec level, it's the team, it's the managers and the coaches, maybe ownership yes. to a degree. So they're still you're still answering to people. Still answering to people, but those people understand that you're the professional in the room. Mm-hmm. A lot of the membership don't know that. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of memberships get out of my way. I want to golf. You know right. what I mean? And again, I know like Matt Warden has created a great relationship with his membership, and other people have done that. But it was never something that I had patience for, which is funny to say because I'm a high school teacher and everybody's like, <laughs> ha ha, liar. But uh, no, I mean, it was always intriguing to see guys go into it and i've seen a bunch of guys go from golf to sports surf and a bunch of guys go from sports surf to golf i feel like that number's going up in the last few years too which i mean is good but also like and i'll say this in the in the teacher perspective a lot of kids get drawn to golf because of pay and mm-hmm. because of hours you know there are certain places where kids are set up i got a student he's a golf course assistant superintendent now graduated from tech he has it set up where he's working six six days a week and like every other friday off or it's five days a week it's i don't know but he's only working like eight hours and nothing else there's no hmm. staying after i was like well you shouldn't move ever because yeah how do you get that gig literally that's what i said i was like ha. who in america only works that few hours well again like it, it's incredible to hear because i'm like there's no way over the summer in virginia you were just working that much time like (laughs) shut up but uh, yeah I mean when I was younger I mean I was just I love sports and that's where I ended up and in my own way I still I guess I still am in sports you are so I don't know if we've ever really talked either about how you worked so quickly and so young with three high-level pro teams with the Mets and the Pirates and the Steelers Mm -hmm. and you go back how old were you when you went back to Brentsville district when you started there 21 yep first off what prompted you to go back to Brentsville to to move from working on fields so, to working in high schools and that's such <laughs> a young know, age I don't know if I want to tell the story again but uh I've said it a thousand times well I've never really talked to you about so it. I'm in a family my family all my family's educators yeah. and actually all my siblings and my mother are in the same county as me in Prince William County Schools in Northern Virginia and my dad used to be an admin. He used to be a principal at a middle school. And so I was home for Christmas or something. And the uh, director of career and technical education ran into my dad for something with his school. And my dad was talking about what I did. And, like, he thought I was awesome. He thought it was great. And uh, I was sitting there, and he... My dad goes, okay, I need you to go meet with one of my bosses, like guy who's funding for like career and education he wants to 
convert an agricultural program from a traditional ag to a turf slash landscape background because of the jobs in the Northern Virginia area. He's like, I think he just wants to ask you questions about like, what would you do like if you did this? Like, so I'm, I'm I walk in there like it was I had a t-shirt and shorts on like not like not presentable but kind of not presentable because um, <laughs> I had like a, a long beard and hair down to my back and. I'm sitting there, and he's like, hey, how you doing? And we just start talking about things that they could do uh, in the class. I was like, why wouldn't you have them take care of the fields? Why wouldn't you have them paint? I mean, kids would get so excited for that. I mean, you get to walk around school and say, I did that. Like, I, I painted the field for the game. And so two and a half hours later, we're talking, and I'm like, um, what's going on right now? Like, this is, like, taking a while. <laughs> It was a great conversation, but it never seemed like that in the, like throughout it. It was just questions about what they could do. And I <laughs> I was asked to step in the hallway. He's like, wait there for a couple minutes. I was like, okay, weirdest thing ever, okay. And he walks out. He's like, you have an interview at Brentsville in 20 minutes. I was like, I'm not interviewing. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> And I, I, for some reason, my car ends up at Brentsville, and I'm, I've called my father. I was like, "What the hell did you do to me? Like, this is a job interview." He's like, "No, it's not." He's like, "I was like, I am going to Brentsville right now to interview," and so sat down. Uh, Dr. Mites, my principal, still a uh, great person, great supporter of the program where we are today. Um, and I walk in with a pullover that has fertilizer stains on it, and. <laughs> I walk in, I'm like, I have nothing prepared for you. Absolutely nothing. I apologize. Uh, I hope that's okay. And she's like, I heard everything. Totally fine. Come on in. <laughs> this is like at noon. And we talked for three hours about everything that we could do, what they would be okay with, what they wouldn't want to do. When I remember talking to her, she had interviewed like 15 people, <laughs> and no one was interested in like creating a turf landscape because everybody was like traditional ag they wanted to do the ffa way and all these things and like it was is ffa still big in the area at brentsville yeah uh we do have an ffa yes but, but it's not it's not like the overarching like this was where kids were going correct okay um it wasn't active when i got there okay. so if that tells you but the interview i guess it went well um <laughs> so but I had a phone call from the athletic director, and he wanted to interview me, too, because we would be working closely with him. Mr. Cameron, Seth Cameron, one of the best guys you meet, uh, literally does everything for us. But I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, this is not in the plans for me. Um, but I went home, talked to my dad, and I was like, shit, Dad, what do I do? Um, and what was crazy was, like, I would kick myself in the ass if I didn't try. Okay. And I was like, why, why wouldn't you, like, do it for a year? If you hated it, then leave. But why wouldn't you try and build something that can make a difference, you know? After my first year, I realized that it could be something big. Not like a great Uniter moment or something, but... Um, <laughs> You're going to get you a t-shirt that says that. Shit. <laughs> I, I just knew... I saw something in that moment and it was after my first crew graduated and I was like this could be something big and I could do something big with this um, there's not too many 21 year olds though who would go into 
what isn't even really at the time an interview, mm-hmm. walk out six, seven hours later with a job interview and say, you know what, I'm not going to do what I thought I'm going to do for the next, you know, mm-hmm. 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. I'm not going to try to be a Major League Baseball groundskeeper or MLS groundskeeper. Which or was hard. NFL. It's, of course it's hard. There's mm-hmm. very few jobs available. But you were 21. You'd, you'd worked for three teams. You had kind of that pathway. Well, I would say it was hard to veer off the path. Okay. That's okay. what I was saying. Not well, hard to get. It's hard to get that job, too. But No, okay. it is hard to get the okay, job. So, but I, I had a network. So what, what, what was hard? So, I, I, I mean, I would say I've had a network that's second to none when I was even just in the industry. I mean, Matt Brown, I call it the Luke Yoder tree. So, for those that don't <laughs> know, Luke Yoder was an MLB groundskeeper. He opened up PNC Park, and he opened up Petco Park, both places. Like, he built the fields that were in the opening, like, years, so 2001 and 2007 or something. But I think it's, like, it's got to be at least 10 MLB groundskeepers all worked for him at some point. And I, I like to say I'm, like, one of the low-lying fruit on the tree, like, when you bracket it out to, like, Bill Deacon, Matt Brown, and then me. And then, I mean, Ryan Woodley with the Brewers, and there are just so many guys. And then Kevin, uh, Dan Kiermeyer, who's actually Kevin Kiermeyer, the center fielder for the Rays' brother, by the way. What does Dan Kiermeyer do? Uh, Dan's a head groundskeeper for the Cubs. No kidding. Yeah. That's so pretty cool. He worked with Kevin Kiermeyer, the, the, the star center yeah, fielder with the Rays? The Rays, yeah. yeah. Okay. No more, actually. He's a free agent. But, okay. Uh, Dan worked for Ryan, and then there's, like that again, that low-lying fruit in the tree that uh, there were just so many different things that happened and, you know, that I, I was on a path that I could be very successful. Um, if you if you were still in there, you're 27, six years later, what, what do you think you'd be doing now? Have you thought about that very often? Uh, no, I have never thought about that, actually. Um, the other reason that I, I considered teaching was I knew there was a shelf life. And it wasn't like a five-year thing. It was like more like a 20-year thing. That I, it's hard to have a family in the MLB, like working MLB hours and whatnot. And I want to have kids one day, which now I'm 27. I'm like, oh, crap, I'm way behind on that. You're young. Um, but I, I question like, like whether or not I would be successful, you know, in the teaching. But I was like, again, if it doesn't pan out I'm covered you know I'll just go back to Pittsburgh and work you know whether it was a seasonal or a full-time thing or whatever they shit maybe Matt didn't want me back (laughs) um but it big hypothetical there yeah um there's just so many like factors and this is what I love about my job is being able to sit down with a kid and just talk through everything you know um, I have a kid. She is a senior this year. Um, she set on this path for like pre-med and whatnot and all these things and great things. And she, she'll do amazing at whatever she does. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were talking about the Little League World Series at a school board meeting. They were like congratulating our girls that went. And she wasn't one of the girls that went, but she was like questioning like, maybe I could do this like what if what if I could do this so we sat down and we talked about the options and I was like medical school is going to be 12 years you know that's something to think about um in 12 years you could be a groundskeeper somewhere you never know 
and she's still in the middle of the process and I feel bad because I think sometimes she feels like I'm forcing it on her a little bit but at the same time like I'm not trying to force anything on anyone I'm just trying to point them down a path that they can be successful just options yeah so because did you have anybody like that when you were 16 17 18 no shot okay um I had great mentors but there wasn't they weren't pointing me down any path like they were just my teachers Mm -hmm. you know what I mean um this is actually how I found the industry was my biology teacher in one little conversation. Like, did you know they, there's a turf grass program? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, they manage golf courses and sports fields. I was like, what? That was it? I guess that's pointing me down. A path. Thank you, Mr. Smith. Um, one little comment. One little comment. And that's uh, what I talked about today in my panel at uh, the Southeast Regional thing. And we were talking about it. all it takes is a moment. And it can change a kid's life forever, and it can change the outlook of an industry forever. Back to the, the girl, she she's curious. She's like obviously wants to like see what's gonna happen if it's a possibility. She uh, one of her schools that she was applying to for medical and whatnot, and she still might. I don't know. Um, was Tennessee? And I was like, well, I just got <laughs> off the phone with Dr. Sorokin about uh, the FIFA stuff that he's got going on. I was like, if there's anyone you should talk to, it's Dr. Sorokin because he's gonna tell you all the incredible things they got going on especially him when it comes to like the fifa that he had he's in charge of all the fifa fields like mm-hmm. for evaluation and everything so he's been in cutter little event like, coming four up four times in the last yeah three months or this, something this weekend little event called yeah, the world cup the world cup and yeah. then he's prepping like stuff for here he's got four indoor venues that he's got to grow grass in for right. a month because obviously know? all fifa competition has to, has be, to on be on grass. real grass and yeah. a fun little fact which i can't remember if we've talked about the first fifa world cup match ever played indoors was played in do you know no it was played in detroit yeah it was the pontiac silverdome it was 1994 and they couldn't grow grass indoors so they called Mm -hmm. in the michigan state uh turf grass team yeah for sure but there was a a lot of things that i sort of laid out on the table before she called Ciroc and I was like you're going to want to have questions uh, tuition things like that and uh, talking with her she set up a call with Dr. Sorokin and it was funny because it was during one of our classes and she talked for maybe like 50 minutes which she didn't expect to be doing that and she came walking out and she's like I didn't expect to like it I'm like <laughs> Well, I'm glad that you uh, appreciate the fact that there are good people out here. Um, well, and it was only an hour-long conversation. You had yeah, a seven-hour yeah. one that changed your yeah. trajectory. Yeah. For, so when it came to like that, it's it's just seeing interest from kids. And I'm, shit, if I know, she might not do it at all. She might not apply. So we're going, uh, it's been announced, never mind. We're going down to Charlotte uh, the week after Thanksgiving. We're helping prep the ACC championship field. Mm-hmm. Um, with Dana Lazito with the Panthers and the goal because she's interested in football she's she stated that she wants to do NFL and I'm like you can you and Julie can be the first NFL groundskeepers that are female in the world so there are no women NFL groundskeepers nope I thought well no okay. head no head anyways. okay I'm talking about the head okay because there's there's what there's two in major two baseball? baseball four in the minors right Nope. Two in the minors? Yep, three. So three. three women in minor league baseball, two in major league baseball. In the MLS? Are you... Maritza Martinez. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. 
So that's uh, what, six? Yeah. Wow, okay. Which there's a lot more. Yeah. Uh, Nia Odenkamp runs a great uh, field construction. Amy Foudy's with the uh, MOTS group as a field consultant. She was NCAA head at Michigan State forever. Okay. Um, I could rattle off a list. Sun Roseline. You know everybody. That's Sun Roseline is one of the best industry professionals that I've ever met. Um, she is in charge of her. It's a two-woman crew. Her and Christy Clay. They run. Um, I don't even know what it's. It's a school district's like stadium. So like the, all their high school football games, sure. all their county games are played at the stadium, and they manage the stadium, and then they manage the events. And she's based out of Colorado. So she has a natural grass field that she manages at the highest level, and I don't know how the hell she deals with all of the chaos that is coming her way now with like storms and blizzards. Yeah. And they still play every game on time, and they do. She does phenomenal work. She's actually going to be the SFMA president next year. She's actually the one that put together the uh, uh, first all-female grounds crew with uh, Chris Ball. So awesome woman, awesome person. I feel like there are a hundred different directions we could go into, but if it's off the field, we can talk about other stuff. Well, but I know want. before before anything else, and there is yeah. one big off-field thing that I think would be helpful. But I know you love talking about the kids. You've talked about the kids a lot. You have how many kids in the program right now? Right around two hundred, a little bit less. That's amazing. And I know we talked about this the other day, but out of those two hundred, I know a lot come in. Who would not go to Brentsville District? Over a hundred, yeah. Over so over a hundred kids are going just for your program. Yes, that's really cool. So, we I'm driving back tomorrow night for our specialty program night, uh, where we recruit kids that come in and the just show them sort of what's possible, you know. And that's that's the goal. It's to give them the opportunity to see this incredible industry, which. I've, well, half of my talk today was talking about how we don't do a good enough job explaining who we are. They just see somebody out on the green. Like, yeah. And yet, you do social media really well. Mm-hmm. Between the time we said hello today and the time we started recording, there was somebody who you'd never met who said you do a good job with social media, <laughs> which and is And he's amazing. a social media guy, right? Yeah. Uh, you're 100 episodes into this podcast. Yep. You, you clearly are marketing things well and yet you think there's just a lot of untapped potential what is what what's left to do so and it's not it's not just like me and like my kids and whatnot it's it's showing everyone and my community has a much better understanding for it now because of what our kids have done um those national fields of the year they were like oh this is a real thing like this <laughs> yes. is like this is these are real humans out there doing stuff it's not just mr miller teaching the kids how to grow grass like it's both sides I mean there's a lot of money that's spent on marketing that I think is wasted to be honest with you like there uh, I'll give you a prime example uh, Leah Withrow uh, head groundskeeper for the AAA Reno Aces yep big big leader in minor league baseball groundskeepers 100% uh, she, and, and one of the TikTok leaders we had her on the podcast yes, uh, this year yes yes um I was talking with her and she was explaining like our account for SFMA like it's just like a a retweet but they make it like a post. So why is our industry organization this is me this isn't her I was like why is our industry organization not putting forth content created by them 
when we look at it face value, they've de they did a good job on a video that we did uh, with them. It was us and a couple other places um, where they showcased the sports field manager, but th it was made two years ago and they just been reusing clips. And I'm like, that's fine, but why do we not have a social media person going around and investigating? Why don't we have a podcast that's like viable to, again, just again explore you know um that's something that i think our podcast has done a phenomenal job of is bringing people together whether it's my students with the professionals or professionals like oh i that that person's awesome i think i'm gonna reach out like the those are the things that really change sort of the outlook of what will be possible in the future in the industry you know um and those are the things that, again, that's why Leah and I are giving that talk at SFMA is do the little things to get the big things. You do a post, people see it, like, oh, shoot, look at that. Maybe we can do something like that or I can work like that. Um, somebody talked about it today was, um, <laughs> we, so Leah and I met for like presenting and figuring out her favorite words, ether. Ether. You don't know where it goes out in the ether when it comes oh, to your posts. <laughs> uh, she has a, a TikTok the Dallas Stars responded to. Can you put a star in your mowing pattern? She's like, I got it right here. And like, you don't you don't know hmm. where that reaches. Maybe that reaches a kid who's lost and really can't figure out what they want to do with their lives, and they see this post and they're like, sports. I love sports. Yeah. I can work out on the field. Oh. Or there's a golf course. I don't know why it goes viral, but cutting cups is a big thing on TikTok. Yes, it is. And, like, <laughs> they're like, where can I do this? There's just like, something so satisfying. Exactly. So about like pulling earth, putting it back in, spraying a little bit perfect. of water, squirting a little bit of water. Yeah. But, like, those are the things that, like, if we can have more people do that, those localized markets where those media goes, it'll be so much more encompassing of the country. Instead of just all the little pockets like the Brentsville, the Reno's, the mm -hmm. uh, Baltimore's with the gold, the whatever. Like it's just if we have more in local communities, then those little kids will be like, "I want to be like this guy." And it's like the groundskeeper at the little league. Like mm -hmm. being able to reach further with social media can change the outlook on a lot of things, which I think. For some reason, the organizations are afraid of, because again, I, I GCSA, I don't know if they put out much content on like the stories behind things. I know they put out a lot of information, education, and all the stuff, and that's great. But I mean, I've talked about it about your guys' magazine. It's like you guys are getting the story behind it. You know, it's completely different than say, what's their GCM. Well, and you have to humanize it too. But that's what that's I'm a saying. Big part of it. If you humanize it, right. then people are actually gonna take to it. You know, like um, I gotta stop using Leah as an example, but uh, one of my kids. Well, you're you're again you're presenting with her. Well, you? I know, but so, this is this is top of mind. It's a different thing. Okay. Uh, one of my kids, she met her at the Little League World Series, and she fell in love with her and everything she does, and she loves her TikToks and. So now she's considering this as a as a uh, opportunity for a career and you know a life. That's uh, those are the things I live for mm -hmm. with the kids. You know, is having that spark in their head just go off, and it's like, oh, wow! Like I didn't realize like you would take to this like that much. And it's hard sometimes to see kids that had that spark and 
maybe they go do an internship and they come back and that spark's gone. I'm like, oh, you know. But and that's happened one too many times for my liking. But and you're, you're not gonna hit. Well, sports, you're not gonna bat a thousand, yeah. right? But how many kids do you would you say right now are in the industry or in colleges? Yeah, in, I know there's a it's lot at Virginia Tech. Over fifty. It wow. has to be in six years. And that's yeah. and that's and that's kids who and that's really I I really take two years off yeah. of it because I had to like set the program right up. so like so I basically the last kids. four years and it's not even like you've gone through one freshman to senior road cycle so you're really like into that's the second full cycle yeah. fifty yeah probably that's, more that's than really that. impressive probably more than that honestly and, a, and a I lot, have a lot of kids yeah. that locally just go into stuff like right. well a lot I of your kids, kids work at Park and Rec yeah, landscape a, company a lot intern for golf you said yeah just because there's so many courses around mm-hmm. so yeah. I mean, it's if they go into it, I've, that's ha- it's great, you know. And if they don't, hopefully they become advocates for us. That's that's the other big thing that I always try and I talked about it today in the presentation. I was like, you got to understand that when you do something, that impacts one person, who then tells their parents, who then tells family, who we told his friend, his family, his family. It's like we're doing, we're going back to the tree effect, mm-hmm. which turf managers hate trees, but like talking about sort of the branching off effect and where it just it can go rampant uh i mean it's it's crazy you know um and those are the things that like the podcast that i think it's important because if you have kids and parents and families and professionals watching like they'll be like oh you should listen to this one this one's really Mm -hmm. cool like hey you should talk about this guy like maybe reach out to this person like those are those are the things that really impact the overarching aspect of everything so one big off-field topic okay okay and it's every time i see you yes in person or on the video version video of the version. podcast yes is you are and i don't know if it's you in particular or if it's somebody else at the school but you are very good at branding and marketing you are currently <laughs> wearing a brentsville turf uh columbia vest i know you have many many hoodies yes. many shirts this i've is... seen shorts there are caps this, How many, lo- this logo is my baby. It's a great logo. I created it, yeah. I, didn't know I that. take great pride in that. Um, how many how many different pieces of merch do I have? Not even that I you say, have. I got way too that much. That have that have been made over the last six six years. <laughs> I have no idea. Thousands probably. Thousands of different pieces of yeah, merch. Yeah, probably. No kidding. Uh, uh, so. Okay, are there more different designs for Brentsville turf, or for Brentsville District High School sports teams? designs uh i try to change it up in a way that is like okay mm-hmm. so um pull up my phone here uh we have a couple different logos that we run with because i don't want to confuse people and i don't want but i like try to keep it's always this guy right here the eye um very cool tiger eye with a little bit of a little bit of grass some of the grass could be cut right yeah. under right under the eye right um it's the LSU Tiger Eye. Right. I changed some things so there's no copyright right. issues. A lot of, of high grass do that. and the. But you can't tell it's the LSU Tiger. Exactly. That's the point. Um, and then we have a BD logo that we have. We have our Tiger Turf Talk, which I don't know if that counts as. It's all a variant. Yeah. It is. It counts. Um, geez, these are way back. Sorry. <laughs> um, because this, this is guy, an, an audio medium. Drew is scrolling back through his Apologies, his everybody. He's into December of 2020 right now. I gotta go all the way back. 
2016. Oh my gosh. And it jumps three years because I don't have any pictures from it. Um, we have this guy. Okay. BD Turfgrass. Uh, and I think that's it. That's all that we're running with. Um, obviously this guy. Uh, I've tried a couple other ones that I didn't put out because it looked like shit. <laughs> well, how big? How big is it? Is it is it used as promotion? Is it used the brand? As, as fundraising? How do you how do you use all the marketing and those swags? So, <clears throat> when it comes to branding, um, I wanted the kids to have an identity of what we were gonna be and how we were going to be able to create something that is going to be big. And again, when when I took the job, I was like, it's going to be a turf management program. That's the only reason why I'm here. I'm not here to be an ag teacher. Like Everybody calls me an agriculture teacher because that's my technical term and name. But everything that we're doing is to create a brand that is recognizable more than just our school. So... When we started branding, I was always concerned with having it on everything, having it presentable to people, and people be aware that's what we are. So apparel was a big thing getting started. It was always some of the kids excite are excited about, and that's the big thing is like once the kids buy in, they want to have everything covered in. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's the that's the goal. And the point of that is is that when that happens, industry is going to see it. The community is going to see it. People outside of our, so like earlier you were saying, the guy recognized my brand. Like that's the point. Yeah. And that's. Someone who's never met you in person. Exactly. So the purpose of it is, is to create like something that is bigger than us. And I think we've accomplished that in our time. But with branding things specifically, it's just having certain aspects set up so that it's like, okay. You know that's us. If we have a guest on, like I, I've sent things to people, uh, like T-shirts and pullovers and whatnot, and then like, I would appreciate if they took a picture with it on, but I never tell them that. <laughs> but something like uh, Boyd Montgomery, uh, Toro Company, fantastic person, love him to death. Um, he was wearing our hat at the Super Bowl, painting the field. So something like that, where like. The brand is right there, and everybody knows what that brand is. Mm-hmm. Jody Gill, uh, past president, great guy. He actually came and visited us at Brentsville, and truly just an awesome, awesome guy. And the uh, the purpose of it was just to be kind and give him a hat, you know. Um, but at the conference that was his conference, at the field day, he was wearing a Brentsville turf hat. Like... <laughs> Those are things that I don't expect of anyone or anything like right. that to happen, but like, it's awesome to see our brand on someone's head. I'm sure it's also a interview. statement about the quality yeah. of work and the quality of kid that you're, you're helping put into the industry. And I think that... If, if you had 10 kids and none of them went into, into college or, or the pros for, for turf grass, mm-hmm. nobody would be wearing the program's swag. Mm, probably not. And I talked about this during the presentation. SFMA is finally put a logo to the brand gcsa has a great logo like they should be tattooing that on everything yeah any chance they get they can get on a course somehow put it up it's about the kids buying into it not literally buying shirts and whatnot but like we are brentsville turf and that's what we're building is that brand in all of our work and everything that we do we represent that brand when we go down to charlotte next week it's going to be brentsville turf everywhere and they're going to be 
they understand the gravity of the situation. No high schooler has ever been on an NFL field to paint a field as a crew. You know what I mean? Like, pretty cool. It, it's stuff like that that, that represents Brentsville turf. Uh, I've tried. I don't know if it's been successful, but I've tried putting a slogan on it, and we put it on the back of the shirt sometimes as a tradition of excellence hmm. because – a lot of people are like, did you expect to be here at this point in your career? Like, do you expect the program to be where it is? Like, absolutely not. No, but we're not done. Like, we we painted the XFL field. That's professional football. So mm-hmm. where are we going to go? We're going to go to Charlotte and paint an NFL field. Like, we, we're not done. That's, that's my main concern about our program is everyone thinks we're peaking. And... I'm on the upslope still, and I don't ever plan on going down. So I don't, I don't apparently go deep enough to know that people are saying you're peaking. But I will ask. We're almost done with 2022. <laughs> 2023 is coming up. Yep. Uh, what's next? Oh, jeez. Um, breathing. Uh, <laughs> well, that's that's always. We don't have to wait until 2023. Personally, for I that. have to finish my thesis. So okay. There's that. And my, yeah, my mother you, and father were getting You've got on that me. going. Yeah. You've got, you've got apparently half a book written. You've got a lot of irons oh, gosh. Fire, <laughs> you put that out there. Um, well, not, I don't, no, I know. It could not. be a novel. It could be a mystery novel for everything. No, no, no. Everybody it's, knows. it's my personal story. It's yeah. a biography, autobiography, whatever it is. Um, but the, the goal moving forward is we're trying to build the program, obviously. Um, one of those things that we want to do is build the first ever high school research center, um, which would be a facility that would house all of our equipment. It would create a, a shop we were talking about with Trent last night. If Real quick, because yep. you're on here for many reasons, but we're going to plug the heck out of this. If I can get you five extra bucks, I get you five extra bucks. How can people donate uh, if they want to help fund this? Uh, send a check to Brent. <laughs> Just... Cash, cash or check to Princeton District <laughs> High School Attention. No, no, any any way. Uh, okay. We, I, someone just walked up to me from a, a a chemical company that wants to donate to the program, and that's, that's awesome. incredible. So like, anything helps. Like that's the big thing is just getting everyone on board and aware of what the kids are doing. Like, should, and so that's that's part of why I come to these, like, to present about the kids. Is like this is what's going on, and we're trying to make you aware that. We're trying to build something, and we've gotten to the point where, like, we have a very good facility, and we're trying to book more and more and more that people are now turning to other f- programs to help them to get to this point, which is great. I'd love help still, just so people know. It's just trying to get the brand out there so that people are aware. I mean, Tim Krieger knows who I am. It's kind of a big deal. Tim Krieger uh, runs the Carolinas GCSA. That's probably the biggest turf podcast there is out there, honestly. Pulling weeds. I, am I wrong in saying that? I mean, they started on the Superintendent Radio Network with episode one, but yeah, I mean, they've grown a little bit since then. <laughs> Just a little plug in there. <laughs> um, but again, like, it, it's bringing awareness to the brand so that things happen. I mean, when we talk about our podcast, so many things have come from that. Like, we we work with so many incredible people in this industry that it just becomes something that's bigger than our brand, you know, and that's what, that's the goal, you know, hopefully there's a bunch of turf grass tigers all over the country here in the next decade running the show, you know, Yeah. that's the, that's the hope anyways, but. All right. So we're coming full circle. Say it's, uh, say it's 10 years down the road. You're still only going to be 37. You're not, you're not going to be that old. 
What? I gave you that little outlook. What's in ten years? Ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I don't know. You've got you've got maybe one or two kids who are running the show in Major League Baseball. Maybe you got a couple in Major League Soccer. Maybe you got one or two in the NFL. <laughs> Go ahead. And you're 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 a little tired of of high school life. Okay. You think any part of you would ask one of your former students, "Hey, can I come on the crew?" Uh, not in 10 years. 15 years, 20 years. That'd be a retirement gig. Okay. I would be like, I'm your mower (laughs) and nothing else. (laughs) You could pay me in food and housing if you want. (laughs) Just live in your basement and I get paid in food. That would be a dream. That'd be crazy. Jeez. I had, see, those are the things I don't think about. Like, I don't, I obviously want to make a great impact in this industry and don't call me the great United place. That'd be scary. (laughs) Um, the things like, I'll I'll talk about Julie. Uh, Julie Kessler is a graduate of my program at Tech Now, about to start a MLS internship, and she wants to be the first NFL groundskeeper, head of groundskeeper. Like, if that were to happen, that would be insane to me. Like, just seeing someone, and the story behind it is she was at a ice cream stand with her boyfriend. That is very common in Northern Virginia. Uh, Nathan's Dairy Bar, shout out Nathan's. And they were in line and boyfriend brings her over. She asked me like, hey, I heard the program's incredible. Can I take the class? Wasn't in my class until her junior year of high school. Hmm. And now she's just this incredible industry professional that- Jumping in both feet. Yeah, Yeah. it's been crazy. She Uh, was in San Diego this year. San Diego. And Savannah. She worked. Uh, she worked. Uh, Blacksburg Country Club this summer. That was <laughs> her internship. So she's done both sides and exploring everything. And yeah, I, that, I, those are the things I haven't thought about is seeing kids actually in because it's such, still such a young thing. Like mm-hmm. I mean, shit. NFL groundskeeper MLB. <laughs> it's gonna happen. It's just a matter I mean, of who's who's first and then who's second and then who's third and then you're gonna have about ten. Yeah. That'd be pretty crazy. Yeah. But, yeah. Ten years from now, she's... <laughs> <laughs> I am hoping I am not burned out in ten years about my... Job. I hope you're not, too. I, I enjoy what I do. I love my kids. My kids are everything to me. Uh, that's why... Sorry, guys. That's why we're talking about the program. On What's going to be amazing... Field. Technically, it's the classroom, so technically we're still okay. Is if in ten years, podcasts are still big and you're on episode, like, 621 oh, of Tiger Turf Talk. <laughs> uh, I don't plan on stopping them anytime soon. There was a there was a lull this summer. Everybody's like, are you done? Like, no, I'm going to do nine in nine days. Calm down. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, that, w- that was what really awesome moment in my career was we so for those that don't know we were at the uh softball literally world series for the women's and turf event for the first ever all-female grounds crew and mm-hmm. a sporting event ever and uh, uh chris ball and sun roseline asked me down to podcast and just tell the story um and then being able to bring two of my own kids was just it was one of those moments where you're like holy shit like this is this is what it's all about. Like seeing them work with, again, son's one of the greatest professionals out there. Like see them work with her and see them all sort of come together. And then being able to talk with each and every one of them, just telling their incredible story. That's, that's the great part about what the podcast is, is being able to tell those stories and bring out the, 
the truth behind everything. You know, there are so many incredible stories that were told that week, and I, I just, I'm blessed to be a part of it. So, mm-hmm. yep. Well, I hope you don't burn out. A lot of great kids already through the program, and a lot more to come, I'm sure. Uh, and well, I'm six years in, so I, I think I'm doing pretty good, staying mm-hmm. strong. My thanks again to Drew Miller for going off the course and off the fields. My thanks to AquaAid Solutions for sponsoring off the course. And my thanks to all of you for listening to all the podcasts here on the Superintendent Radio Network. Beyond the Page, Greens with Envy, Off the Course, and Tartan Talks drop on Tuesdays. Real Turf Techs with Trent Manning drops on the third Wednesday of the month. And Wonderful Women of Golf with Rick Wolfel drops on the first Thursday of the month. Our November issue is online now. It includes some great stories about a turf pro who moved across an ocean in pursuit of her career dream, what you need to know about maintenance facilities, and lots, lots more. And our December issue, the seventh annual Turf Heads Takeover Special Edition, will be online a little later this month. You can check out the magazine at www.golfcourseindustry.com magazine. And you can read more industry news and notes in our fast and firm email newsletter. That's delivered every Tuesday to your inbox. You can sign up online at our homepage, www.golfcourseindustry.com. Golf Course Industry is produced by Guy Cipriano and me. I'm Matt Lowell. Our columnists are, I think, the best, Terry Buchan, Henry DeLosier, Bradley S. Klein, Tim Morgan, and Matthew Wharton. We have a crew of fantastic regular contributors. Tyler Bloom, Trent Bouts, Lee Carr, Ron Furlong, Cassidy Gladio, Trent Manning, Judd Spicer, John Torsiello, Anthony Williams, and the aforementioned Rick Wolfel. Our publisher is Dave Zai, Russ Warner, and Jimmy Clark handle sales. Jim Blaney designs the magazine. Caitlin Sellers makes sure everything goes where it should. Christina Warner makes sure you all receive the magazine. Kelly Antle makes sure we all get paid. Amanda Cafardi handles so much on the back end, including ordering and embroidering. Not personally, but she handled the process. Our new swag, gray golf shirts and really nice green golf hoodies. Really, really cool. Irene Sweeney does more than we can ever keep straight. Ryan Jacobs, Cody Minnick, Tom Bauman, Brock Andorada, Patrick Briand, and Nathan Sellers are our IT team. Our president is Chris Foster. Above all else, we could not do what we do without you. Thank you so much for listening.